and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3, we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. Second, three, second Peter 3, 1 through 11. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Simon Peter, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which he had been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning because we know you're the one and only true and living God. The Apostle Peter tells us we have obtained precious faith which is built on the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take this your word, the word we have read this morning, and help us to grow in our character. Help us to be strong in our faith, filled with the knowledge and secure in our virtue, confident in our self-control, able to persevere, steeped in godliness, sure in brotherly kindness, and guided by love. We need all of these things in our lives, Father. Help us to grow in all of these things through your word. In Christ's name, amen. Now, I want you to know I'm starting a new series this morning on godly character. We will be using Proverbs to show God's call to his people in this area. Followed by generosity, faithfulness. We First, we will examine love and kindness followed by generosity, faithfulness, peace with others versus strife, and last, honor and respect. Proverbs 31.20, then dropping down to verses 25 through 26, speaks of the woman of character. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Now please, understand, this is not just to be the case with godly women, but with all godly people. In the passage we just read from Peter, he specifies how a Christian ought to live a virtuous life. He says this can be accomplished by claiming God's promises and avoiding the corruption of this world. 
He lists the qualities the Christian must have to lead a productive, spiritual, and effective life. He says you must work at adding to your faith, goodness, and knowledge. Your faith is the basic belief in Jesus Christ and his work on Calvary's cross. Add to that goodness, which is a godlike character. In other words, your daily conduct should be a demonstration of moral excellence. Faith and excellence support one another. If you have these first two virtues, you have to add the third, knowledge. Knowledge of who you are and of your God and his wonderful plan of redemption. Why do you need this? You must have knowledge because knowledge and faith go hand in hand. Your faith is strengthened only by knowledge. Paul declared in Romans 10, 7, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it should be obvious that knowledge is rooted in your trust of God and his revelation to you. You cannot grow in knowledge without faith or in faith without knowledge. Therefore, you can see why it's so important to stop and study God's word and to do it constantly. The first three things you learn about are faith, goodness, and knowledge. Peter says you are to add to these three things self-control, perseverance, and godliness. This self-control refers to the kind of training an athlete undergoes. It's getting into the habit of daily work. A Christian must exercise self-discipline in all circumstances and should do so by trusting in his God. This leads to the need for perseverance. You can define perseverance as the character of a man that helps hold him on his course regardless of the trial or suffering he is undergoing. Perseverance is a daughter to faith. It has its origin in faith. It shows that the believer knows God is in control of all things. Peter says you should add godliness to your perseverance. This is where the heart of this issue lays. A Christian practices godliness only when he fully comes to see he is living literally in the presence of God. My friends, it's absolutely necessary that as a believer, you make the motto of your life, the motto of the Reformation, Coram Deo, in the presence of God. Peter goes on to show that from these things come brotherly kindness and love. Christ summarized this for you in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus also told you, you are to love your enemies. You owe this love to your fellow men without exception. Peter exhorts you to apply these things in your life. Why? So you can reap an abundant harvest in knowing Jesus Christ. To neglect the development of any of these virtues in your life will result in great spiritual loss and deprivation. Love and kindness are the foundations of the Christian character. Let us look to the book of Proverbs and begin to grow in both. First, we shall see that we must love one another. 
Second, we will learn how to demonstrate that love. Third, we shall discover how we can be kind to those who oppose us. Fourth, we will consider how this admonition applies even to our animals. Fifth, we shall observe that the kind and merciful person will be blessed. When Christ summed up the Ten Commandments, he made it clear, you have a responsibility to love one another. There are several areas in which you can see the application of this idea. You are to love your family, your spouse, your children, and everyone else who crosses your path. Proverbs 17.1 Better is a dry crust with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. The admonition to love one another begins with those who are closest to you. You are told it is better to have little food and a peaceful place to eat it than to have great abundance and no peace. The way you secure that peaceful place is through loving and caring for all those you live with. Where's the spirit of love? Where, where the spirit of love does not rule, self dominates. Where self is king, there's left no room for others. That leaves only strife as each member of the home strives to dominate. The only cure for the such is love. Love always says the needs of the other family members come before your own. Love declares that the happiness and comfort of your life, your family, comes ahead of your own desires. As a Christian, trying to live a loving life, you will know that at times your own wants and desires will rise up that will cause trouble for the whole family. Love for your family is the one thing that can bring you peace and rest at home. What's the most important relationship in the home? It's the relationship between husband and wife. Because of the way God established this world, the first and most important responsibility in this relationship falls to the husband. The whole thing begins with the husband loving his wife. Proverbs 5, verses 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. My friends, God never his words. Did you know the Bible never commands the wife to love her husband? Not one place. Men are commanded over and over to love their wives. In this verse, they are told, if you want a blessing, love your wife. Rejoice in her. Let her affections be the source of your delight. Solomon tells you to be enraptured, to be captivated or ravished by her love. The Hebrew word for enraptured is shagah, and it literally means intoxicated. It's a very strong word. It shows the depth to which you're to love your wife. The Apostle Paul lays this out in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 28. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved his church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. This is a picture. It's a picture of your relationship within marriage. Your marriage is to be a reflection of God's relationship with you. The husband represents the head. He is the picture of God. And the wife represents all those under authority. She is a reflection of all believers. God is the head of all things. He is the creator. Mankind is the wife of our Lord in that she is called to respond to his love. The whole foundation of this world and all God has done in establishing it is founded in love, having honor and respect between all creatures. The man loves and pursues his wife, showing her his love. The wife responds to that love, respecting her husband and loving him back. She, as the believer, responds to the love given her. This, thus building a solid relationship based in love and respect. Therefore, in God, you see the pattern for the husband. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This shows that God is a very giving God. He gave the most precious thing he had for those he loved. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not wait. He didn't wait for us to declare our love for him. He sent Jesus Christ into this world to die for us before we ever looked to him. 1 John 4.19 we love because he first loved us. God sought you out. He came and bestowed on you his unmerited favor, his love. He didn't do this because you were such a wonderful person or had such great value. He did it because it was his desire to do it. He wanted to do it. You then see his love towards you. And what do you do? You respond to it with love for him. The man is to pursue the woman. The husband is to show his wife his love, and she in turn responds to that love. The husband is to always be pursuing his wife, and the wife always responding to his love. When my wife says to me, I love you, I always say back to her, I love you the most. The reason for that is found in Scripture. It is my responsibility to love her more than she loves me. As her love for me grows, my love for her has to grow. God loved me first, and I can never love him as much as he has loved me. As the head, the husband, I am to seek out my wife. I am to love her as Christ loved his church. She in turn is to submit to my approach with respect and honor. How do you show such love to your wife? You see her as a gift given you by God? 
You're never to be a tyrant over her. God gave her to you as your helpmate, not as your servant. She is equal to you in every way. You are the head of the house and are to protect her and never to embarrass her, never to down her in others' eyes. She is there to help you and she does that as she responds to your love. She is to show you respect. Respect is very important. A wife should always respect her husband. Now, that doesn't mean following them into error. She is to call you away from error. Here's where you must listen to her. Because that's why God gave her to you. He gave her to you as a helpmate. You're in a partnership, husband and wife. Treat each other as you want God to treat you. Husbands, love your wives. This is the stage for all of life. This understanding of love is the foundation for all of your relationships. You can see this in your relationship with your children. You, as a parent, are to treat your children in the same way God treats you as his child. God lays down laws and commandments for men to live by. He places penalties on them for disobedience and rewards for compliance. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Liberals of our day have it all wrong. They tell parents children should be left to find their own way through the moral maze of life. This is the shirking of parental responsibility. Would you allow a two-year-old to decide whether it was safe for him to play in traffic or not? Of course you wouldn't. That would be criminal. We have laws that make parents responsible for guns in their home. Why? Because children don't have the ability to make mature decisions about the handling of guns. Neither do they have the maturity to handle sex and drugs. They do not because have a moral compass. That's what the duty of the parent is to provide them with the tools needed to make that moral compass, to make those moral decisions. This verse tells it like it is. Parents that don't guide and direct their children in all areas of life are selfish and don't properly love their children. Now that's a hard thing to say. But buddy, you need to look at yourself. You need to adjudicate yourself by what God's word tells you to do. The first sign of parental love is the word no, backed up by a firm hand properly applied. God sent his son into this world because he loved his creatures. He loved his creation. God doesn't hesitate to say no. Eight of the Ten Commandments are negative. The other two direct you to respect the authority behind those negative commands. It's so clear from the teaching of Scripture that the husband-wife, parent-child relationships show the whole idea of family is structured from the very heart of God's internal relationship with himself. You must also understand that God's directive to love doesn't stop with your family. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. 
You're commanded to love all men. The, cons- the concern of your heart should reach out to everyone that crosses your path, be they friend or foe. Love is never to be viewed as an option. The Christian must always see it as an obligation. Yes, even when that person you have called friend has turned against you. Your duty is to love him always. Isn't that hard? That's tough for us. This is the foundation upon which church discipline is built. The purpose of church discipline is always reclamation. The return to fellowship of the lost one. You don't go to him, the one who has sinned, you go to him to call him back. You don't go to him to push him further away. You must understand that there are times when love seems harsh. Why is that? Because love is founded on an absolute truth. The sinful man always wants his own way. He will accuse anyone that stands in his way of being unloving. God is the author of love, and you can find the true understanding of love only in Jesus Christ. Here is true love. That Christ died for the sins of all who would hear and believe in him. To have love is not sufficient. You must also demonstrate it to others. This is not a hard thing to do. Anger, bitterness, and harshness are all signs of selfishness. You simply take those things and replace them with kindness, forgiveness, and love. Proverbs 19.22 What is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. Why do people lie? They lie to protect themselves. It comes from the concept of self-esteem. It's impossible to demonstrate love towards someone when you're always putting self first. I'm sure you all know people like that. You'd like to be friends with them, but you really can't because they're all they need. They've convinced themselves. Listen to Philippians 2.3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than self. It's impossible to demonstrate love towards someone when they're putting themselves first. We know that. We understand that. We need to esteem others better than ourselves. And I'll tell you what, that's hard. How do you do it? Through kindness. And this is especially true where your mate is concerned. You show your love toward others through kindness. Is this not what Christ has done? Isn't this what he did for us in coming into this world? He gave his life for you. He purchased your forgiveness with his own precious blood. You don't deserve such grace. You are a sinner. You are a rebel. You are God's enemy. And yet, he demonstrated his love for you by dying on Calvary's cross in your place. And he did this without you ever asking him for it. He did it while you were still lost in your sins. So my friend, can you not show kindness to your fellow man in the name of Christ as a demonstration of your love? Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love, 
but he who repeats the matter separates friends. First, word of caution. This is not speaking of ignoring wrongdoing. We've got to understand that. It is saying those who forgive wrongdoing have exercised God's type of love. Again, let me make sure you understand this concept of forgiving. You do not tell someone they're forgiven until they confess their sin. To forgive them before they admit their sin is to cheapen forgiveness. In 1 John 1, 9, we're told, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. You as a Christian must always be ready. You must be willing to forgive anyone who comes to you confessing his sin and asking your forgiveness. But you must not give the forgiveness until it's asked for. When you do it the right way, you're exercising God's love. You demonstrate God's love to others by saying, I forgive you. Selfishness is the thing that causes you to hold grudges and be unwilling to forgive. Love is always shown through forgiveness. Having said all this about forgiveness, we have to balance it. Love never closes its eyes to sin. We are not talking about the liberal idea of you're okay and I'm okay. True love looks into the heart and says, I need help to grow. Then it looks around to others for that help. In turn, it also offers help to others. Proverbs 27, verses 5 through 6. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Dear ones, please see this. We need each other. We need each other badly. It's through loving, constructive criticism that growth comes to Christians. If you are a true friend, you will offer help to those around you. Taking input from others and giving input to others in a true demonstration of God's love working through his people. None of these things already mentioned are unreasonable, unreasonably hard when confined to family and friends. However, what about kindness to those who oppose you and show you contempt? Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Talk about showing genuine kindness. Nothing could better illustrate kindness than this. Christ came to die. He shed his precious blood while you were still a sinner. Show God's kindness even to your enemies, to those who persecute you and kill you, for that was Christ's example to you. What's the natural way to respond to enemies? To seek vengeance. Proverbs 20, 22. Do not say I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God is the one who promised to rectify all wrongs. He gives to those who believe and trust in Christ the job of showing his love and kindness 
to the meanest people of this world. Remember, you were lost and dead in your sins. You had a terrible attitude with a rebellion in your heart against God. It was through his love, through his kindness, that he reached down and pulled you from the grave and gave you a place at his table. Surely the kindness that could do this for you is worth emulating toward others. You must also resist one of the greatest pleasures our old sinful nature loves. Taunting your enemies when they have failed. Don't we love to rub it in? We, will, we really like to see our enemies fall. Proverbs 17.5 He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Love is never supposed to rejoice over the troubles of another, even our enemies. Love is always to stand ready to offer help, a cup of water or a morsel of food to anyone, including an enemy if they have need. This has to be our greatest test and therefore the greatest act of love anyone could ever engage in. Is this not what Jesus came into this world to do and did on Calvary's cross? The ideas of love and kindness, they don't stop with people. God loves his whole creation. That's why he says in John 3.16, and the word world here is cosmos, for God so loved the cosmos that he gave his only begotten son. And cre it, it, it literally means all of creation. He loved the works of his hands. The demonstration of your love then is to be extended to all of God's creatures. Proverbs 12.10 A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Please remember, God gave us animals for a purpose. They serve a number of purposes from companionship to food. The righteous man will love and show kindness to all his animals. He will be thankful for what he has and show it proper care. On the other hand, Solomon even says the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Why is this so? Because the wicked man sees only the profit he can make from his animals and cares nothing about them as the creatures of God. You cannot, you must not ignore your responsibility to care for all of God's creation. Last, we need to consider the blessing that comes to the kind and merciful. God calls his people to concern for others, both people and beast. He says this conduct, kindness, forgiveness, and concern have their rewards. Proverbs 3, verses 3 through 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and esteem in the sight of God and man. If you make love and kindness the foundation of your dealings with others, you will find many blessings flowing back to you. What he is saying here is that they must come, become a part of your character. You must instill these things in your heart until they just ooze from you. Not just random acts you do on occasion to try and, and fool people about what you are. This needs to come from your heart and what, be, what defines you as a believer.
Here's where selfishness begins to die and Christ begins to live in your life. Paul said you were to die to self and live for Christ. This is what he meant. Let there be no doubt in your heart. God will bless those who follow his example and emulate the kindness and love of Jesus Christ. So my friends, you must understand you are not capable of following God's commands by your own effort. Without the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you cannot show this kindness and love. The only, this only comes with a, with a solid commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The unregenerate man is known by his selfishness. The unregenerate man by his Christ-centered selflessness. So please open your ears and hear this message. Start fighting against the flesh and its drive to selfishness. Make Jesus Christ the center of your life. Make him the center of your home. Let his word direct you into the love and kindness that can make you, your life, a wonderful reflection of your Lord. Let us pray. Almighty Sovereign Lord, we come before you this day to learn and grow in our character. We thank you for help in making us better witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to go forth from this place today a day in which we remember our forefathers and all they did in giving us a nation of freedom so we can gather and worship you in the way you taught us in your word. Please, help us. Help us as, we, as a nation of free men to remember that all freedom comes from you and you alone. Bless our worship. Bless our nation. Keep safe the freedoms you have so graciously given us. In Christ's name, amen.